In many cases, we are unconsciously getting into a relationship with the same dynamics that we had with a parent. And unconsciously, we want to heal that. And we don't realize that we can't heal it by interacting with a person that is similar to that. This is episode number 537 with Mary Vesson. Is your subconscious holding you back from love? This is such a great topic. I'm super excited to have Mary on this podcast. I've interviewed her for the Woman of Value podcast, which will be airing in 2023. And this is just a topic that we started talking about after we finished uh, recording the other one. And so much about our bodies and what we are not conscious of is is something that really holds so many people back from lots of things in life and in love and so i can't wait to get started but before i bring mary on i just want to welcome you to last first date radio where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date and to support you on your journey to lasting love i wrote a book it's called becoming a woman of value how to thrive in life and love. And it's filled with 30 tips and tools to help you grow your confidence and learn how to show up, stand up and speak up in your life. So if you're single or in a relationship, this book is for you. And even men will get something out of it. And every week I share a tip from the book. This week's tip is Step number eight, be more vulnerable, which actually fits very well with our guest today. Vulnerability is really the key to intimacy. And so many times we're so afraid to show that side of ourselves. I was just speaking to a client the other day and she was like this super powerful woman who has been like an overachiever and an overperformer. And she doesn't want people to see her weaknesses or what she calls weaknesses that she doesn't always have it together. And so if you can relate to anything that I just shared, please know that your vulnerability is the way that people connect to you, not your perfection. And so I encourage you to take a little piece of your vulnerability and share it with somebody who's safe. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's your parent, maybe it's a good friend, and just share something that you might've been scared to share and you might be surprised at their reaction. Before I bring Mary on, I want to invite you, if you're not yet a member, to join my fabulous Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And we are a group for women over 40 who are looking for a positive, supportive place to grow and to really learn new skills. This is very unlike most groups out there for single women where it's not moderated and anything goes. This is a group that is extremely well run. I have seven fabulous moderators who run the group every day, including me being there and coming on live and sharing lots of tips and tools. So join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, Mary Vesson. She is a hypno coach. She helps high achieving women make the second half of their lives their best half. She uses hypnosis and other techniques and helps women reconnect to their bodies and feel the power and joy of being a woman. Welcome back, Mary. Thank you, Sandy. It's great to be here. So let's get into it. Why is it important to be able to move energy through your body? 
Well, what happens is that we get energy trapped in our body and that energy holds us back. It, it also can become heavy when we hold anger, frustration, or disappointment inside of our tissues. And there are three ways to move energy through your body. We can do it with breath, with even a calm breath, just focusing on our breath and exhaling out that which we don't want. We can do it with sound. One of my personal favorites is when driving in a car and something's been frustrating for me, I'll just, with the windows up, kind of lean back a little bit and open my throat and just make like a ha loud and full. And that way it doesn't hurt your vocal cords, but you actually get that energy out and, and through the body. And my favorite way is, is moving, especially with dance, because dance is flowing. It really um, is in sync with the core feminine essence that we have if we are more feminine women. And you can actually combine all of it, do a dance with your breath and with sound and really clear out anything, whether it's residue from the day, the week, or something from a long time ago. The more we can do that, the more we're a clear vessel. And then we can take energy in, which actually fuels our life source, our life force. So it fuels our life force when we take energy in, and then we can amplify that life force, and then we can emit it outside of our body breath, sound, and movement, and combining all three is a great way to really start to move that trapped energy. And there are many ways that we trap that energy. I think that uh, something I've learned is, is trauma, that we don't even consider trauma. And there's so many traumas that we go through as people that I remember learning, like even moving several times as a child, which I did a lot. And you had mentioned in the last podcast episode that you grew up in a chaotic home and all of these things can be trapped in our body. So if you could address a little bit about why we get so disconnected from our bodies and what happens. We're born knowing that we are perfect beings. We don't have this sense of not enoughness and we're not embarrassed about our bodies in any way. We fling our arms and legs any which way. We're not embarrassed about bodily sounds and we'll cry when we need something. But what happens later? We, we get a little bit older and we feel not supported for any number of reasons. Maybe our mother doesn't have enough time for us and we can't understand at a young age that she's super busy and overwhelmed herself. Or maybe we don't get that validation from our, our father, or maybe our father isn't there. And it starts to chip away this life force that we have. And then there are the offenses that happen. And like you said, Sandy, they can be small. You could be on a playground and approach some kids and say, hey, I wanna show you something that I drew and they might laugh at you because of their wounds. And then you take that in as I'm not enough. Before we're seven years old, we look at everything as either right or wrong, good or bad, black or white. And so we conclude, oh, I'm not lovable or 
my work isn't valuable. And this starts to chip away at us. And then we move through life with these beliefs of I'm not enough. And then we look for more evidence of that. We stack it and it builds up in the body and in our subconscious minds as programs. So we take all of these experiences and that's our interpretation. I'm not enough, so I have to do something. Like, you know, you spoke to me earlier about working really hard and trying to prove yourself. So how are some of the ways that these trapped energies show up in the I'm not enough? It, it can vary very wildly. So feeling I'm not enough can show up as hyperachievement, and it can also show up as the very opposite of that, as no motivation. I'm not enough. I'll never be good enough. Why should I even try? Also, it can show up as cutting oneself off from a potential relationship because it's just too scary. There's that imprint of having been rejected at some point. And so there's an unconscious decision. I won't put myself in that position again. And then we also have the other extreme of women who might be seeking sex all the time because they're trying to get that feeling of enoughness or of I am lovable through casual sex. So it, it really can show up in any number of ways from the same kind of imprint because we all put different meanings to things. You and I can have the same experience and you can have one meaning that comes out of it and I could have another. As you're speaking, I'm thinking of a million different things, not just for myself, but my clients, um, even my own parents and how they were affected by their experiences growing up and what they did to, uh, because they hadn't worked it out, how they reacted, how they responded. I would say also, you know, some reactivity where we don't even know where it's coming from comes comes up for me. Uh, for me, I just did a speech about labels and my first label was the shy girl because I was embarrassed to speak up in class because kids made fun of me. And I carried that with me for, for my whole life until I started doing this inner work and didn't realize how it had held me back. And in fact, I used to hang out with people who had loud voices and I would say things under my breath and they would repeat them and get the credit for it. And there was a part of me that was never shy. It was just fear. And until I could dismantle it, I carried that for so long. Oh, I'll never be in front of a camera. I'll never do a podcast. That was the last thing I would ever do. Get up and talk on a TED stage. Like all of these things, you, you keep yourself small when you don't realize that you're much more capable than you think you are. Yes, I, I love that. And I'm also curious, was there a particular event that caused you to have an insight and make a decision to to act in a different way or was it a slow transformative inner process where just one day you felt like i'll step out a little bit more i think it was a series of things that happened one of the first things i realized was that i i had a my first child was born with a genetic disease and doctors 
were telling me to do things that didn't feel right. And I started to trust my own instincts and to speak back to doctors. I got a lot of pushback for it. My husband did not speak up. He told me, you, you handle it. You're better at this than I am. But what made me better at this was just this inner warrior inside me that came out. I cannot let doctors tell me what to do if I, if it doesn't feel right. And in fact, he was re-diagnosed because of me. We found new doctors because of me. Um, I became his advocate because it was such a rare disease. So that was, that was really empowering. And then there were other experiences like I once had a, uh, we had moved and I had never had a garage. We had always converted our garages into a workspace. And so we moved into this new home and had a two car garage and I was driving a station wagon and the side mirror got lobbed off because I didn't gauge the space well. And it got pushed into the passenger seat, passenger side door. And we, got an insurance quote and I brought it in to get it fixed at a dealership and the dealer knew my brothers-in-law. They had worked together and this guy lied to me. He told me that he was replacing the door and the mirror. And when I came back to get the car, the, the window wasn't going down well. So it was really clear to me that he hadn't replaced the door. He had just tried to fix it. And he had cut corners and I got really, really angry. And I, I spoke up and he put me down. And not only did he put me down, he spoke about me to my brothers-in-law at the time. Like Sandy's insane. She's crazy. She's lost her mind. And I remember that, that anger that welled up inside me, like, don't talk about me this way. But I didn't yet have the skills to be able to speak up in a way that was empowering. It was just, I would just get angrier and angrier. And so the, it's been planted for a long time. And then after the divorce, I learned new skills. I went to coaching school. I studied communication skills and became a communications expert. But it all stemmed from second grade, you know, just being silenced. And I think for some people, it's an event that happens. It's like an immediate thing. And then for other people, it's a slow build. What about you? Yes. Have you had personal experiences that have, you know, been a slow build or an immediate thing? Like what, what about you? I think, I think both, but I just want to say first that uh, it's very interesting what your responses were as well. And I've seen this in, in other women as well where they may not be comfortable speaking up for themselves. But if there is something involving their children or a friend of theirs or someone that they care about or even a cause that they care about, it's outside of them. And then that um, passion overwhelms the fear of becoming bigger. And I think that's what happened, that mama bear came out and that was so much more important than protecting yourself from feeling vulnerable. And also when you spoke to the people about the car mirror, that was probably about justice. It was in opposition of your values. And that's also something that can bring women out of an old pattern of not speaking up for themselves. For me, I had to be very careful when I was growing up because 
if I were to say something wrong or something that would offend my father, there would be hell to pay. So I developed a skill of paying attention very carefully to what came out of my mouth in the house. But then I also developed at the same time, this inner, how would you call it? Like an inner drive that I would do things in the world where I would be heard and there would be no one that would, you know, penalize me for doing that or hurt, hurt me for doing that. So when I went to Wall Street, I went guns blazing <laughs> and, and I really didn't have a lot of fear about speaking up or saying things that were challenging some of the status quo beliefs. I th it's it's very different. It's very different for for everyone. And then I would also say my personal relationship, it did take me time to be able to acknowledge my own feelings and communicate them because that had never been something that was safe for me to do growing up. So that that took work, like like the kind of work that you did, I had to really become aware of how much I was protecting, protecting myself um, and, and slowly take those layers off. It was a process. Yeah. And it's interesting how many people are so afraid to speak up in their relationships because of poor, uh, poor results from early on. And what I always tell tell the women who come to me and are, are trying to take those layers off is that you either were speaking to the wrong people or you had the wrong skills or a combination of both. And often we go to people who are familiar, who are like our family of origin or people that have cared for us when we were younger. And we try to repair those relationships through having more relationships with people who are exactly like them and who are missing the things that we really need. And so we're talking to walls, basically. We're talking to people who, who cannot be there for us, who just don't have that ability. And then we come up with the wrong conclusion that we can't speak up because if we speak up, people will leave us or they'll they'll cheat on us or they'll they'll say that we're terrible people. I mean, if I had taken that that conversation I had with the guy from the, the car place and internalized it that I must be crazy, I should just shut down, I would have had a very different outcome. Mm -hmm. But I knew deep down that he was wrong and that he was being really rude. He was lying. He was trying to make me wrong and control me and then speak about me to other people. I mean, there were so many things wrong with that. So I, I like that you bring out the values that when, when values are not met, when our needs are not met, when there are certain values that are being stepped on, then we, um, we can become very enraged. And that kind of anger is really important. I think women are often afraid to be angry. And yes. yeah, tell me, tell me what you have experienced with women and anger. I know we're sort of getting off on a different tangent, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that. That that's so interesting. And, and it also ties with what you were saying about how 
in many cases, we are unconsciously getting into a relationship with the same dynamics that we had with a parent. And unconsciously, we want to heal that. And we don't realize that we can't heal it by interacting with a person that is similar to them. And that's where hypnosis comes in as such a powerful transformative tool because we can so easily go back to an early event and you don't have to work on all of them. Sometimes the whole thing collapses by just going to one and seeing, oh my gosh, this is what happened to me when I was five or six or seven and this is how I felt and this is how I'm feeling every single time I'm interacting with this person. It's the same pattern and it can, it can be dissolved. With anger, a lot of women would almost rather die than be anger, angry. And I'm not joking. I was actually told this by an incredible energy healer many years ago. He said, and, and he said it to me, actually. He said, would you rather die or be known as an angry person or something like that or you know unleash your anger and i just remember saying well why does it have to be either or like i couldn't get comfortable at all with saying i'll let that anger go and some of it again is the experience that we had or the punishment that we had for being angry or speaking up and so when you are put down or made smaller or disciplined or punished for speaking up, you will have clusters of neurons in your brain that light up when you start to go that, down that road and it'll pull you back. So it's like you have one foot on the gas and one foot slamming on the brake. And again, awareness is the first step and then healing that old pattern and then working on cultivating that ability to express those emotions in a healthy way. And there are many ways to express anger safely. And sometimes it's with another person and sometimes it's, it's on your own. There are, there are different, different practices that can be done. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. I had a client who was African-American and that's a whole different culture of anger. And I never knew that those women were labeled the angry black woman. And it's like they are so afraid to express their anger because of that label. And so culturally, it's just fascinating to know 
in different cultures, how we can either express ourselves or we can't. And I just wish that everybody could feel the safety of, of self-expression. It would just make our world a lot safer, yes. a lot better. So let's talk about what we should be providing for ourselves instead of looking for it in a partner, because we were just talking about this unconscious pattern. We're going to look for these people and fix them somehow and, and fix the relationship with our, our family of origin, our parents. So yeah, what, what are some things that people can do? So one of the things that I tell my clients is that it's really important to be clear on what you're providing for yourself and what your partner is providing for you. And too many times women are expecting their partners to make them happy, to anticipate their needs, to provide excitement, to provide stability. And, you know, there's just, there's just an endless list. And it's important that we fill our own cup up first that we are cultivating a good energy state. Every day I work on my energy state. It's, I work on gratitude, I move my body, I, I get in flow, and I try to bring a good state to my relationship because that's really all that we have. If we're coming in depleted and we're looking for them to fix that, it's not, it's not going to go well. So whatever it is for each individual person that fills them up for some people, it's, it's, it's doing art for some people. It's listening to beautiful music or walking in nature or taking a warm bath, whatever it is, it's important that we do those things. And that we also have something that's our passion. When we have something that's our passion, we're less concerned about the little things that our partner is doing wrong, and we're just happier in general, and the relationship is, is higher quality. Man, I so agree. I, I have something I created called an operating manual that I give to my clients to fill out. And it includes all of our core needs in all the areas of relationship, our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our sexual needs, so that we can identify them and then let people know. I think that so many times we expect mind reading, we expect somebody to fix us, we want to fix them. And all of this codependency that could be healed if we just start to focus on what do I need? I, I so many times in coaching, it's like, you're pointing a finger out. What do you need? You know, and yes. even how do you feel about that? Well, I feel that he shouldn't be saying that, but that's not a feeling, you know, it's like, what, what do you really feel and what do you really need? And is that something that you can provide for yourself? You know, one of the, one of uh, good examples that I've seen in, in my clients is, just a simple thing like food. When you go out to eat and you are a pescatarian or a vegan and you don't say anything, even with your friends, I've had clients who never said, can we go to a restaurant where I can eat too? You know, mm -hmm. you're sitting there eating salad because there's only lettuce and everybody else is eating steak and you can't have that. Say something, 
you know, let people know how we can all be happy together in the same space. And, you know, or if you don't want to go on a long date, tell the person in advance, I have about an hour, I would love to see you. Or somebody invites you to a hike on a first date, and you're not comfortable going alone on a hike in the woods with a total stranger, which I highly recommend you don't do that. Say something. Don't just go along. If the person says, I want to pick you up at your house. No, that doesn't work for me. Here's what works better. You know, and the more we know, we can set those boundaries. We can speak up and communicate our needs. I, I think this is so crucial. Absolutely. And, you know, I see a lot of this as well uh, with women that I've worked with who sometimes they they don't want to be trouble. They think that, oh, I just it's not a big deal. You know, it's almost like they're trying to create a spiritual meaning out of it. Oh, it's not that it's not that important to me. It's okay. In the scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. And sometimes they came from a big family where the individual child's needs were just not really paid attention to. They all kind of scrapped and took care of each other as best as they could. Or sometimes there was an older sibling who uh, was hard on them and would punish them if they wanted something for themselves. Or sometimes the parents would shame them and say, you're selfish. You know, why are you always asking for you? And so there's, it comes from so many different ways. But what's great is that once we have that awareness, we can heal it. We can recall briefly, even one time when that was the situation as a young child, we can change the ending of that scene. You know, every time we remember a memory, we actually change it. Our memories are not static. They're bits of information, of sensory information from vision, from hearing, from feelings, and they're stored in all these different places in the brain. It's not like, oh, let me go to my seventh birthday party and withdraw it from that file inside and there it is no it's all these million bits all over and so every time we access it we have to draw from different places and it it morphs it so i say let's work with that let's go back to that seventh birthday let's say that was miserable and let's change the ending let's make it it could be anything you could have become a superhero at that party and 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 achieved exactly the outcome you wanted or you could have had the people that were there act in a different way and you can play that a few times and it actually changes the connections in your brain so that you're less affected by that going forward there's so much we can do with our brain to make our life easier and that's really what excites me we can use all these tools and get out of these old patterns pretty quickly yeah it's so powerful i as you're talking, I'm thinking about how compromising I used to be because I was given the message growing up that you shouldn't want so much and you should be resilient and you should just manage with what you have. And as I was planning my wedding, I was like, how can we do this as cheaply as possible? I will get a sample gown. I will get a, a caterer to come at 11 a.m. instead of an evening because it'll be cheaper. <laughs> you know, it's just always, how can I save money? How can I do this in the least expensive way? And 
always compromising, always compromising and not realizing that there are compromises that come at a big cost. Mm -hmm. And when that cost gets too big, it takes such a toll on us. Some of us have a, a longer uh, ability to, to keep compromising and it can affect us. It can affect our health. It can affect us in so many ways but you can't keep it tamped down forever. It's gonna pop its head back up because of all these unconscious things that you talk about. Um, you know, you talked with me in our last conversation a little bit about pole dancing and I wanted to touch on that before I get to my last question for you because I think this is something that's very misunderstood and it is such a powerful way to move your body and to work through some of these things. So tell us a little bit about your experience. Well, I was in a very masculine world for a long time because I worked on Wall Street for many years and I was a senior executive. And you know, the other guys that I would work with used to say, oh, Mary, you have bigger cojones than all of us. <laughs> and, and, and I would, you know, there was a part of me that would say, Gosh, I'm not sure I like that, but that that's the world I was in. It was like, you know, do it, achieve it, build it and 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 focus all the time. And so that's kind of the identity that I had. And when I was in my late 40s, my husband and I were at an event with Tony Robbins. It was a relationship event where he was working separately with the men and the women or the masculine and the feminine, I should say. And so for the masculine, he had them all working with this uh, self-defense person who was teaching them to protect their family and their loved ones, really getting them into that uh, protective state. And for the women, he turned us all into this room with this woman named Sheila Kelly, who said, come with me and come discover your erotic creature. And I, I said, what? <laughs> you know, I don't think so. And I saw these women moving and doing as they did this demo. And it was just so beautiful how they were flowing in their bodies and moving emotions through their bodies. And I started to cry. And I, I, I guess it was an insight of how deprived I had been from expressing myself. And I was very fearful of moving into that space. It took me a little while, but I, I knew that I needed it. I knew that I needed to connect to that flow and to just be more allowing of expressing and uh to to connect to the joy of being a woman and really the power of being a woman enjoying that in your body for for you it's it's a gift that you give to yourself and when you can express different emotions through dance and enjoy it and even take anger or frustration and mix it with pleasure then you're changing those neural connections you can take trauma and move it into pleasure and the old trauma just dissolves it's miraculous so i really i embraced it and i enjoyed it very much it's definitely been good for my marriage <laughs> and i share it with my friends and i share it with the women in my course, not pole dancing per se, but sensual movement, 
reconnecting to the body, claiming your confidence, your power and your radiance. And it's, it's really, it's been wonderful. Mm, you can hear it. I can hear it. you totally light up when you talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I love hearing about how scary it was and how it also evoked emotion when you first started, because we do have this stuff stored in us. And it is, it is a lot to start experiencing the full breadth of our selves in all aspects. And so I think a lot of people just see pole dancing as a way to be sexual and and overtly sexual and striptease and all these things that it's known for, but it's so much more than that. And it, it really is a powerful way to express who you are. So it doesn't have yes. to be pole dancing. Like you said, it could be any kind of sensual movement. I've had clients who wake up and the first thing they do is listen to the news or go on email mm-hmm. and respond to people. And I'm like, no, <laughs> have a morning ritual, whether it's dance with music or going outside in nature and regrounding yourself rather than all the other ways that people generally hit the ground running. Yes, that's so important. So Mary, what are your final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first date? Well, I would remember that today is the youngest you'll ever be. And there is plenty of time left. There's no reason that you can't use all the wisdom, all the learnings, all the discoveries that you've made over these last many years or decades to create that relationship that you really want. And the best way I believe to do that is to be the person who would be attractive to the person that you want. So if you're envisioning this partner, well, who do you have to be? What does your energy have to be like to pull that person in and do those things for you that will allow you to emit that light and to have that energy that will be magnetic to the kind of person that you want? Excellent advice. I love it. Mary, tell our audience the best way to find you. Well, on my website is maryvasan.com and that's M-A-R-I-V-A-S-A-N.com. And that's where high achieving women go that, to watch my webinar and learn more about my program. I also have a nonprofit called mindgift.org, mindgift.org. And that has tons of free mental health resources, hypnosis, tapping, meditations, all kinds of things from me and from many top trainers and practitioners in the coaching, hypnosis and trauma release industry. So have a look and enjoy and share it. Really valuable resources. And you are a valuable resource. (laughs) I just love talking to you. I love your energy. I love all the wisdom that you have acquired and you have embodied and that you teach. Well, thank you, Sandy, so much. And I'm honored to be here with you because this work that you're doing is so important for so many women out there. And I will love to support you in any way that I can. Thank you. And thanks everybody for listening. If you love our show, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. 
And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.